Well, I'm excited you all are here. We're going to wrap up this series. This is week number three, the final week of the series, Who's Your One? You all know me. I don't typically dress up when I preach, but I also don't wear t-shirts when I preach. But when you have a Who's Your One matching t-shirt, you go with it, right? Okay. Um, you all didn't think that was funny. That's all right. Um, I'm just walking you through my wardrobe choices. All right. We are in week number three of this series, which is all about the privilege and responsibility we have to share the good news of the gospel. And every single one of these cards you see littering this, this front um, stage, this altar, represent names that represent, represent souls of those who need Jesus. They need to hear the good news that Jesus Saves, And that's what this series is, is all about. Who is one person in your life that you can be praying for and pursuing with the good news of the gospel? And we've been talking about it. Our hope, our prayer, our desire is that we would have 10 new lost and found stories by the end of this year. 10 new lost and found stories where those who are lost, separated from God, would come to a saving faith in Jesus and would be found because every single one of us at one point or another, maybe some of us still are the one, the one in need of a relationship with Jesus. And so we want to we wanna throw a party at the end of this year, a prodigal party, a party that celebrates all of the lost ones who have come home to the Father who is seeking after them. That is our desire. So hopefully we can end the year in some weird 2020 kind of party sense. I don't know what that's going to look like, socially distanced, but throwing streamers and blowing, you know, whatever. Um, throw a party for 10, maybe not 10. Even if it's only one, man, we want to celebrate because the Bible says that even all of heaven rejoices with even one lost sinner returns home. And so we want to throw a prodigal party at the end of this year. And so the process for all of this, we've been talking about the last few weeks, it's find your one, it's serve your one, and then it's tell your one. Find your one, serve your one, tell your one. So this morning, we're going to end this series by talking about telling your one. In other words, having gospel conversations. Because if people are going to know Jesus, if they're going to, if they're going to be rescued from an eternity separated from God in a place called hell, they need to hear the good news and they need to respond in faith to the good news. And so they need someone who's going to tell them. And that's what this morning is all about, telling the good news, telling your one. How do we have gospel conversations? Now, this is a hard topic. This is why we don't talk about this all the time. And this isn't natural for most of us, unless you have the spiritual gift of evangelism, which not many people, it seems like, do. So let me start out by doing this. I want to give some, some suggestions, some possible conversation starters. How do we go from whatever our converse, wherever we're at in conversation with somebody, to Jesus. Okay, what are some conversation starters? I'm going to post some more of these um, online on our social media uh, later on, but let me, let me give you a few examples. Some of these will work for you, some of these will be natural, and some of them they won't. I'm just trying to stir our minds and our thoughts here. So here's a, here's a first example, a phrase we used last week, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? This is a great conversation starter. It's, it's not intrusive, but hey, how can, I, how can I pray for you? So maybe that's a conversation for you, um, which, which is easy to start talking about Jesus. All right? Maybe somebody goes, I've never had anybody ask me that conversation. I've never had anybody ask me that question. How can I pray for you? So maybe that's a conversation starter. Here's another one. 
Do you have a church that you attend? I think this is kind of a go-to for a lot of us. It's an easy one. Hey, do you go to church anywhere? That's an easy bridge, right? I talked to someone after the first service, and this is an easy question to ask, to start a gospel conversation. Uh, here's another one. Uh, do you believe in God? Like, that's kind of jumping into the deep end. Some of you are like, that's not a conversation starter. That's like step three. Uh, but I love this next question, because a lot of people would say, oh, yeah, I believe in God. Here's a great question. What do you believe about him? I love that question. I think that's such a good question. Not just do you believe in God, what do you believe about him? That'll tell you a lot. That'll open up some conversation. Here's another one. This is actually a go-to for me, I think. Uh, did you grow up in church? Did you grow up in church? And this is for me because I didn't grow up in church. And so I'm always curious to know from different people, hey, do you have the same kind of background that I did? Because I can relate to you if you didn't. So Some other follow-up questions. What were you taught about God growing up? Do you still believe that? So just some good conversation starters. Here's another one. Can I share my story with you briefly? Or can I tell you about the best thing that ever happened to me? And, and again, these are in the course of conversation. Maybe this is the bridge to get you to start talking about Jesus. But again, this necessitates that you really believe that the best thing that's ever happened to you or the best decision you've ever made was meeting Jesus, giving your life to Jesus. So that's, that's a conversation starter. Uh, let me give you another one. Relate with your one's struggles as they share. Then let them know how Jesus was your only hope in your time of struggle. So as you're talking with people and they're talking about their struggles, maybe you can relate and maybe, you know, it's great to empathize with people, um, with where they're at, but it's a whole nother thing to say, hey, I've been there, I've struggled, Here's how I got through that. Here was my hope in the midst of my struggle. And so those are some good conversation starters. Let me give you a story. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, I had an appointment with an oral surgeon. All right, so um, I have a wisdom tooth that I need to be taken out, which is not fun when you're you know, in your 40s. Um, but I have this wisdom tooth that has to be taken out. And so I met with, it was a consultation with an oral surgeon. And you know what my, my agenda was going into this appointment? Uh, actually, before it was like, can I, can I cancel this? I don't want to do this. My, my agenda was let me get in and get out. All right, that was my agenda. I didn't go in there saying, I want to convert my oral surgeon to Jesus. I just was like, get me in, get me out. All right, so I get in there. I'm sitting in the chair. Uh, I'm wearing a mask. He's wearing a mask, okay? So I feel like I'm, we're on the same level here. We're talking and... Uh, <clears throat> I, I use what is a conversation starter for me. Um, and I don't use this all the time uh, because it can come off weird, but because it, it, we're talking about oral surgery, I was like, so I'm a pastor, and so what I do is talk for a living. And so I kind of need to know what the recovery time is. Do I need to be off work or whatever? But as soon as I said, I'm a pastor, all right, so a lot of pastors don't like to use this because it's, it's like shuts down conversation. Um, but I like to use it personally just because Whatever, you know, people have different images in their mind when they think of a pastor. And whatever it is, it's usually not this guy, right? Whether that's for good or for bad, people usually are like, really, you're a pastor. And I love that. I love for people to be like, really? Okay, I had a different image in my head of what a pastor would look like or be like or talk like or dress like or whatever. And so I, you know, I opened that door. But as soon as I said I'm a pastor, you know, usually you can tell where people are at. If they're just kind of like whatever, or if they're put off by it, or if they kind of lean in. 
And this oral surgeon, this doctor, uh, as soon as I said that, it was kind of like, oh, you know, you, you could see. He was like, okay, interesting. So I did something, which is, again, not, this isn't natural for me. But there was this thing inside me that said, okay, you need to say something to open up the conversation because something's going on here, all right? And so I said, so, so do you have a relationship with the Lord? And I'm telling you, this, even though I'm a pastor, this doesn't just, like, come out of me, okay? I had to, like be intentional and step into this moment of awkwardness where he could just be like, what? What are you talking about? And I said it, and he said, yes, I am. Actually, I do have a relationship with the Lord. And he began to tell me his story, and we ended up, I shared my story, and I don't, my appointment probably ended 15 minutes earlier, but we just sat there and talked while I was uncomfortably sitting in this chair. Um, but we shared our stories, and it was really cool and really encouraging. And there was an opportunity that maybe he would have said no, and maybe that was a door for me, but I don't know. I'm just giving you an example. That for me was a conversation starter where I had to be intentional. I had to step into a moment of awkwardness and a moment of tension and trust that God was, was going to work. And it was cool. He did. And so I just want to encourage you with that. And I want to show you an example in scripture um, in Acts chapter 8. I think this is a really helpful story for us to look at when we consider how God wants to use us to tell our one or to talk to others about Jesus. So look at Acts chapter 8. <clears throat> you see a, a, a Jesus follower named Philip <clears throat> in Acts chapter 8. And it says this, Acts 8, starting in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, okay, so get the context here. This Jesus follower named Philip an angel of the Lord speaks to him and he gives him some instruction. He says, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. So the Lord says, hey, Philip, get up and go. And look at the response from Philip. Verse number 27. What did he do? He rose and went. All right. He rose up. He got up and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Okay, so he's, he's in the Old Testament scriptures, in the book of Isaiah, and he's reading. And here comes Philip. He's just listening to the Lord. He goes and, and he, and he hears, overhears him reading Isaiah, verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So again, here's Philip. He hears the Lord, and what does he do? He doesn't kind of go, well, what, what are you talking about? What do you want me to do over there? I don't know this person. What, he's, he, what's it say he does? It says he ran to him. All right, so the Lord's, the Spirit speaks to him, and what does he do? He just flat out obeys. He just goes. So Philip ran to him, which... You know, like in my story, I wasn't like running into this conversation with, with the oral surgeon. I was kind of like tiptoeing or backing away. I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to do this. But, but the Lord said to Philip, get up and go. Now, join yourself to his chariot. And so he does. And here's his, here's his conversation starter. Verse 30, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? Just a simple question. Do you, are you getting it? Are you understanding what you're reading? Verse number 31, check out this response. And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? 
how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. And I want you to follow along. See what, it, what is he reading about? Who is he reading about? It says, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before his shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. You know who, who Isaiah was talking about? Who's he talking about? It's Jesus, right? He was talking about Jesus. And so verse number 34, the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or someone else? So in other words, Philip says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, I don't. How can I understand unless somebody guides me? And he says, here's what I'm reading. Now, what is, what is Isaiah talking about, himself or someone else? So this conversation keeps going. I want you to look at verse number 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him what? The good news about Jesus. He told him the good news about Jesus. So a couple things I want you to see here. <clears throat> Philip, Philip didn't have any agenda here, right? He was just responding to the spirit as, as the Lord spoke to him. And so the spirit would say, hey, I want you to go here. He went there. He said, I want you to join up with this chariot. He didn't say, I don't know this person. I, why would you call? He just, he ran to him. And then he, he looked for the opportunity and he just followed the Lord. He was just obedient as the Lord opened doors for him. And one of the other things I think is interesting in this is it says that that Ethiopian eunuch, he was just coming from, from Jerusalem. He, he had gone there to worship. Um, and so I'm just going to throw in this little tidbit. This is just my mind working. He went to worship, but what you see is that this Ethiopian eunuch didn't even know Jesus. He didn't even know the Lord. And so when I think about that, I think about this. Every single week, People come into this building, people come into churches all across the country and the world to worship, but they don't even know who they're worshiping. They don't even have a relationship with Jesus. So maybe your one is someone who goes to church every single week to worship, but still has questions and still needs somebody to help guide them. And this is what I love. Philip responded in obedience. He starts this conversation. He says, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian eunuch says, how can I, unless someone guides me, unless someone teaches me? And y'all, isn't this the truth about Jesus for all of us? Like, how are we going to understand who Jesus is, what he's all about, how much he loves us, unless someone guides us, unless someone tells us and that's the incredible privilege, y'all, that we have is that we get to not only receive the grace of God, we get to tell others about it as well. And so he begins to, he takes him from where he's at and he, he runs him directly to Jesus. He points him to Jesus from where he is at. And I think that's an incredible story for us is, is just to be ready and as the Spirit speaks to us as the spirit prompts us as the spirit says hey why don't you say something to this oral surgeon you didn't come in here for a gospel conversation but maybe i've set up this appointment as a divine appointment and to be ready here, here's another verse i want to read you first peter 3 verse 15 
1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Here's what Peter says, be ready. Always be ready to have a conversation, to point to the reason that you have hope in your life. He says, just be ready, be ready. And that's what, that's what today is all about. It's not about guilt tripping us or twisting our arms. It's about, hey, let's be ready. Let's have some things in our minds so that when God gives us an opportunity, when God says, hey, go join up with that chariot, go talk to this person, start a conversation. We're ready to give a defense. We're ready to give an answer for why we have hope. Does that make sense? That's what this is all about. So let me, with that in mind, let me, let me give you three simple ways to share your faith. And these are basic and there's more than this, but I just want to give you some, some ideas and some thoughts. There's not any one set formula or way that you talk to people about Jesus, but let me give you some ideas, all right? Here's the first one. Declare how much God has done for you. Declare how much God has done for you. I actually came across this in my Bible reading plan this last week. This wasn't part of my sermon, but I saw it and said, okay, we're putting that in there. I want you to see this story. In Luke chapter 8, you, you all know that story of the man who was possessed by demons, and Jesus comes to him, and he casts out those demons. That, that whole group of demons in him was known as legion. You all know that story? Um, Okay, funny story. We were at a JV football game this past week, and the announcer, every time at the LE game, every time that LE would make a tackle, he'd be like, and the tackle made by a horde of demons. And I was sitting there over there as the Bible guy going, doesn't he know that's technically a legion? It's not a horde of demons. Okay, I'm a nerd. Y'all aren't laughing with me this morning. Come on. So here's this story, okay? Jesus casts out this, these demons. And if you know the story, he casts them out into a herd of swine. They run over the cliff, and it's one of the weirdest and coolest stories in the Bible at the same time. Um, but this, this man who was, who was exercised of his demons, he wants to follow Jesus, right? Because this guy just changed my life. He just saved my life. Luke chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away. Jesus said, no, nope, you're not following me. Why? He says, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Jesus said, it'd be cool for you to be part of my entourage, but you know what is going to be better for the glory of God is if you would go home and just do one simple thing. Declare how much God has done for you. Tell them what I've done for you. In fact, Mark chapter 5, this, this story told um, from Mark's vantage point. It says this, Mark 5, verse 19 and 20. He, Jesus, did not permit him to come with him, but he said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And it says he went away, began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Really simple, really simple instruction here. He said, just go tell people how much God has done for you. Go tell them how much mercy I've had on you. And so, y'all, when you come to this, this moment, I don't know if you ever have these moments where you, you understand your sinfulness and the, the depravity of your, your soul and you realize the amount of grace and mercy that God has had on you. He says, 
Go tell others about it. Just declare how much God has done for you. So that's a simple way to share your faith or to start pointing people towards Jesus, just declaring what he's done for you. Here's a second kind of related idea. Share your story. Share your story or share your, your testimony, sometimes we call this. It's the story of how we, how we met Jesus and how he changed our, our life. So the easiest way to tell your story, and, and I think I've said this before, BC, which is your before Christ story, this is what my life looked like when I was outside of a relationship with God. Here is how I met Jesus and how he changed my life, and here's my life ever since. Here's the work that God has been, here's how God has been working in my life and changing me and making me a different new creation. So BC, before Christ, how I met Christ and life ever since. This is, this is your story. John 9, 25, the, the story of Jesus healing a blind man. If you remember this story, he, he's, he spit in the mud and he slapped that mud on his face and said, hey, why don't you go wash in this pool? And he did, and his, his sight was recovered. And the Pharisees come to this formerly blind man. They're like, who did this? How did this happen? And they wanted to discredit Jesus. They said, he's a sinner. And this formerly blind man who's been healed says, John 9, verse 25, he tells a story. He says, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. I, listen, I just met this guy. Here, here's the one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Uh, so you hear his story? Here's my BC story. I once was blind. I met this dude who spit in the mud and threw it in my face, asked me to wash. Okay. And then he... Here, I'm waiting for some response here, y'all. Y'all are just asleep this morning, okay? Here's how I met, here's how I was. I was blind, I met Jesus, now I see. That was his story. That's our story. If you have a lost and found story, it was, here's who I was when I was lost and broken. Here's how Jesus intersected my life. And here's what God's been doing in my life ever since. Now, some of you, maybe you put your faith in Jesus at a young age, but the, the, the truth is still, you were lost in your sin apart from God. You were lost, you were blind, but now you're found. Now you can see if you've put your faith in Jesus. And so share your story, share your story with people. This, this, doesn't, this doesn't require um, you going through a whole lot other than telling them what has happened in your life, what God has done for you. So. That's another example. Acts chapter 22, we won't look at it. The Apostle Paul, who was formerly Saul, who persecuted and killed Christians, those who were of the way. And then, and then Jesus intersected his path on the road to Damascus and blinded him and put him on his back, put him in a place of helplessness until he cried out to the Lord and it changed his life. And then he became a propagator of the gospel. And so his story, he tells the same thing. B.C., how he met Christ, and then life ever since. So share your story. Y'all, your story is powerful because it's the work that God has done to change your life. And so share that. Let me give a third idea here. It's, it's what we call the three circles. Use the three circles. Um, and this is a tool that I introduced last year. I did a whole whiteboard session on this last year. I'm not gonna work through this again this morning. I tried to in the first service and 
put that poor group of people through a long time. I, I've wrapped it up this service. I'm going to show you a four-minute video, so a guy who can explain it in four minutes better than I can in 15. All right. And so I want you to check out this video about the three circles. Hey, it's Jimmy Scroggins again, working on our Gospel Conversations training. And I want to give you an example that you can maybe follow as you try to get ready to get reps to share the Gospel of Jesus. So I'm going to show you the three circles, just the Gospel piece right now on the board. The Bible tells us that God has a design for our lives, that God cares about every aspect of our lives. That's our families, that's our personal lives, that's our choices, our money, our sex life. Really everything about our life, God has a design for it. If we live according to God's design, then we have the opportunity to live in the arena of God's blessing. The problem is that all of us have a tendency to depart from God's design. When we depart from God's design, the Bible has a word for that, and the word is sin. And inevitably, when we sin against God, when we leave His design, we end up in a place that we call brokenness. Now, all of us know what brokenness feels like. It feels like emptiness. It feels like guilt. It feels like rejection, it feels like shame, it feels like regret. But when we get in this place of brokenness, we always try to fix it. So we try to maybe dive into a different relationship or try to make more money or try to become more religious. But whatever we do, we try to mitigate the pain of our brokenness. We try to escape our brokenness in some way. Now brokenness really hurts and it feels like a terrible thing. But the truth is it's a good thing because brokenness draws our attention to the need for change in our lives. But the change that we need doesn't come from in here. The change we need comes from somewhere else. The good news is that the Bible tells us where that kind of change comes from. That kind of change comes from what's called the good news or the story of the gospel. Gospel is just the Bible word that means good news. The gospel is the story of Jesus. Jesus, who is the son of God, who came to earth and he never departed from God's design in any way, not even one time. But Jesus was crucified on the cross for, the Bible says, the sins of the world. That's my sins and your sins. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross, God did a miracle. He took the sins of the world, our sins, and put them on Jesus. And Jesus received the punishment from God for our sins. When he'd done everything that he came to do, he said, it is finished, and he died. They took his body off the cross, they buried him, and three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead. The Bible says that God raised him from the dead to prove that Jesus was who he said he was, the Son of God, and that he could do what he came to do, forgive our sins and heal the broken places in our lives. The kind of change we need doesn't come from in here. The kind of change we need comes from the gospel itself. The Bible says that what we need to do when we find ourselves in brokenness is repent of our sins. In other words, change our heart, change our mind, change our direction, and believe the gospel story. That's the story of Jesus, how he was crucified for our sins and raised from the dead. The Bible says if we'll repent and believe, then Jesus will come into our lives. He'll forgive our sins and begin to heal the broken places in our lives. And then the Bible says that God will give us the opportunity to recover and pursue God's design for our lives. The cool thing about this is that we get to recover and pursue God's design from wherever we are. 
We don't have to turn back the past. We get to go and believe God and walk with God from right here. Now, this is just the gospel piece. There's other things that you need to learn and other things that you need to rep. But I hope that this will help you as you learn to share the gospel of Jesus, turning everyday conversations into gospel conversations. Man, so much better than I could have done. And he had a really cool whiteboard. Did you see that? It was like a huge window pane on a frame. That was awesome. All right. So I love this whole thing of three circles. And, and here's the deal with this. If you go to friendshipwire.com, if you look for that Who's Your One tab, um, this resource, you can get this on, on your phone. It's got all of the, the circles it walks you through. It's got scripture for every single one of, of these things. Uh, I love the three circles because... First of all, I'm visual um, and I'm simple-minded, all right? So this helps me. And the thing I love about this is this isn't just for helping people come to Jesus for the first time. Honestly, this is a, a cycle. This is like the cycle of our lives. This is like the circle of life and not the Lion King kind of way. Y'all know what I'm talking about? This is like the cycle of the circle of our life. Is we, so let me give you an example, all right? Um, on the fly, I'm just thinking of this. So the way that we're, we're called to think God's design for our life, and the New Testament tells us to think on things that are pure and lovely, of good report, that they're praiseworthy. It tells us the kind of ways to think. But what happens for a lot of us? We think lustful thoughts or angry thoughts or resentful, bitter thoughts. Our, our, our thought life moves outside of God's design for us, which is sin. And it puts us in a place of brokenness. So if you've ever had thoughts where you're like, man, I shouldn't think that way, or I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have had that attitude, like, join the group, the club, right? We're all, we find ourselves in a place of brokenness, but what happens is we go, okay, I want to try to think better thoughts. I'm going to try to look at better things or feel better in this way. We try to make our way out of brokenness and our own power, but that's never, ever the remedy for brokenness. We can't, we are broken ourselves, and so something broken can't fix itself. We need something, a power greater and outside of ourselves to come in and fix us, to rescue us. And that is the good news of the gospel, that Jesus has done that for us. And the way that we move out of brokenness, when our, like for example, when our thought life is wrong, the way that we move out of the brokenness of bad thoughts is we don't just try harder, think better thoughts, we repent of our, of our sinful thoughts and we run back to the cross in belief. Jesus, you died for me. For these thoughts that I just had, you died to give me power over those sinful thoughts and attitudes and behaviors. So we repent and believe in the gospel again and again and again. We run to the cross and then we can begin to recover and pursue God's design for our life, our thought life, our relationships for whatever it is. So y'all, are y'all tracking with me? This works in all of life because we are never to get away from the gospel. We enter into the, into the life of, of Jesus through the gospel, but we continue in that, in that way of repenting and believing over and over and over. But man, this is such an incredible tool to help somebody understand who God is, that God has a design for you, for your life, but our sin moves us into a place of brokenness. And we need the gospel. We need the good news that Jesus came to save us. And the way that we receive it is through repentance and belief. Man, so I want to encourage you all. <clears throat> download that app. <clears throat> Use that app. 
Um, it's free. Uh, that video that you just saw is on there, so if you want to go back and check that out, you can walk. You can walk somebody literally through each step of the app. You can sit down and draw the circles out if you want. Maybe you just visualize this kind of circle as you have gospel conversations with people. But the point is, if we're gonna, if we're gonna, if our ones are ever gonna put their faith in Jesus, we have to speak the gospel to them. We have to share the good news that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for the forgiveness of their sins. And what I want to do here is, is I want to take a couple more minutes. I want to watch one more video, all right, before we're done. It's another story, all right? We had an incredible story from one of our own, Lisa uh, Stockdale, last week. Um, but this week, I want you to hear uh, the story of a young boy named Malachi uh, from Atlanta. All right, he's got an incredible story, so I want you to check this out. Well, we named him Malachi after the prophet Malachi in the Old Testament, um, and his name means my messenger. He never met a stranger who's so inquisitive, would talk to anybody, and... That was him from day one. I mean, that, that's never changed. Even until he took his last breath, he was always that way. He, Malachi loved sports, and he loved soccer. And at night, he started to complain that, he's like, Dad, my leg hurts. So I went to a friend who, you know, has a clinic here and they got finished and the doctor came to the door and he just, you know, he knocked and it's that moment you don't want as a parent where he's like, hey, I need you to come talk to me. So I went down to the office and sat down and he, he just looked at me and he said, there's two to three small masses in the base of his spine. We need you to uh, take him to Atlanta today. But that Saturday morning, they. They had about, it's about two and a half, almost three hour surgery. And he just said, like, the likelihood of this being cancer is pretty high. So. That was a very hard moment. I mean, not to just say it as it is, but the average lifespan was 17 months. Mm. He was in the hospital for 45 days. And he just immediately, when you go back and you start looking at kind of some of the stuff that he wrote down, Malachi could have just said, like, I'm done. February 2nd, 2019, I said, just let me die. That's what I said. There's no point in laying in a bed doing nothing. My dad said, I'm alive probably today still because I have a story even at age 12. I have a testimony. As parents, you can encourage your kids to do something. But in that situation, he had to make a decision. And he chose how he was gonna walk it out. The Lord has given me so many chances to share the gospel and I'm going to take every chance I can. The world needs Jesus. I want to step my game up because this thing, cancer, it can kill me. So I need to tell as many people as I can. Every day, Monday through Friday, when we would go for radiation, he would have to be transported in an ambulance. And so every day we had two new people that we spent about four hours with. And Malachi shared the gospel every day to those new people. I mean, he would lay in the back of that, on that stretcher in the ambulance. So where are you from and what do you do? But Malachi was just so bold and I think that was kind of one of the gifts of cancer, was that it really 
brought an awareness of life and death. I mean, you get a cancer diagnosis and it's, what do you have to lose? I mean, you know, like really, what I mean, what do you have to lose? The body of believers at our church is amazing. We rolled out the Who's Your One initiative and that was one of the things that fueled that list. He just literally went through the list of people that he knew that needed Jesus. And I, I'm just going to write them down. I'm going to fight for them. And gosh, for him, he it's, it just took it seriously because he, he saw the finish line in front of him. The end of August, we went uh, for a scan and it had spread to his brain. And so our prayers shifted from Lord, sustain him, you know, to cheering him on to the finish line. And so when he, when he took his last breath, I just remember thinking, like right now, he's with Christ. Yeah, we, we hung on to that passage of in the garden where he's like, take this cup, please take this cup. Um, but if it's your will, and so we just we just drank of whatever the Lord gave us and trusted that the end would be for His glory. I want to share part two <clears throat> on our social media <clears throat> later tonight. Um, one of the cool things with his story was that, I don't know if you noticed, they said he was going to have 17 months to live. And they rolled out this Who's Your One uh, initiative at their church. Did you see his list? Did you see how many were on his list? 17. He said, I'm going to pick one person for each month that I have left to live. And I love that his dad said he was, he was fighting for them. I mean, he was fighting for his life, but he was fighting for his ones. Because he knew, I'm going to die, but you know what? I'm going to live forever. And all 17 of these, they're going to die. And without Jesus, they're going to experience eternal death. Unless I give them the words of life. And I love it. He wrote at the end of that, it said, finished. And the cool thing about his story, and, and if you watch part two, you'll see... Um, most of those hundred plus that came to faith in Jesus happened after he died. Happened after he died. And I want to share one last passage of scripture before we close. Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Because what Malachi did is really what we're, we're to do is share the good news and then trust God to do what he wants with it. That, that we are responsible to give the gospel and God is responsible for the rest. Isaiah 55 verses 8 through 11 the Lord says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. He says, just like rain and snow, it never goes back up. It, it goes and it accomplishes what I intended for it. He says, verse 11, so shall my word be 
that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And so what the Lord says is that whenever my word goes out, it never, ever comes back empty. It always accomplishes that for which I purpose it. It always will succeed. It will always succeed. And so when you and I are faithful and obedient and we give out the good news of the gospel, when we sow the seed, when God gives us the opportunity, man, it's all in his hands. And though we may feel like a failure because there's not a response or, or people aren't coming to Christ, we can, we can rejoice and have confidence knowing that God will always make it succeed. That we do the sowing, God does the saving. We do the sowing. We are responsible to obey God when he calls us to. We sow the seed of the gospel. We spread the word of God. When God speaks to us, we obey him. And we trust him with the rest. We, we never, ever save people. We just point to Jesus. We do the sowing. God does the saving. And so I want to encourage you all this morning. What God is looking for from us is simple faith and obedience. That when the Spirit speaks to us, that we're ready to point people to Jesus. We're ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. It's in Christ. It's in the good news of the gospel. Amen. And Father, this morning, thank you for that good news that has changed our lives and has changed our eternities, Father, that we can know you and follow you. We can have life eternal. We can have full life on this earth because of what Jesus has done for us, that he has made a way out of brokenness for every single one of us and for every single one that's represented by the names on this stage and the ones that haven't even been mentioned or written down. Lord, you know every single one. And you know every single need of our souls. You know every single one of us needs the good news of the gospel. And Father, I'm just grateful that your grace is abundant. It is, it is you are ready to forgive. And so Lord, I pray for every single one of us and every single one that you are calling us to, to speak to. God, help us to be obedient as you call us. Help us to listen and obey and to sow the seed and trust that you are the Savior. You are the one who will do the saving.